You are now listening to the Santos Says Podcast, episode number 44. Here we go. I'm back for more. Uh, I want to invite everybody. First of all, everybody follow me on Instagram, uh, Santos Thread Shop, as well as on TikTok, Santos Thread Shop. If you are watching this video on YouTube, please kindly give it a like, subscribe, share it, comment. The whole thing. I love the interaction. Please. Good, bad, indifferent. It's all good, baby. Let's get the interaction. Let's start the conversation going. Of course, visit santos-threads.com. And away we go. Uh, happy to be here once more with you guys. I want to invite you guys also. Make sure you follow me. Santos Thread Shop on Instagram, as well as on Santos Thread Shop on TikTok. Um, so... On this episode, I will have a guest, this guest right here on this show. I've been wanting to get a, you guys know that I've, I've kind of done a couple of different things. I've spoken to some politicians or aspiring politicians, people in public service. Um, traditionally, I've spoken to a lot of artists, entrepreneurs, so on and so forth. On this episode, I want to kind of take it back to the essence. I've been wanting to speak with a hip hop producer um, it had never come to fruition. It was, you know, we weren't able to really get it situated until right now. So I'm happy to have this guest who will be joining me shortly um, on this episode, episode number 44. On this episode, um, I will be speaking with a producer who is all about really, you know, I found him on social media on Instagram and really. He's worked with a ton of different artists. Obviously, I will let him tell it. But he is someone who is a Latino like myself. Uh, he is of Cuban descent. Um, he goes by the name of C. The Cuban. And uh, that is his name. He's a producer. I see him, his videos. He does all kinds of different things. He's there. You know, you could see him doing, mixing it up, doing his thing with his MPC, putting beats together, which I absolutely love when a producer, you know, when you are a fan of music like I am, um, which I am an absolute fanatic of music, a fanatic of hip hop, uh, et cetera. I love seeing, um, there's no greater thing to me besides obviously listening to the music, right? I love seeing the process, the creative process. Um, I love seeing that creative process of the artist, the producer, the engineer, all those people, all those entities, musicians, whatever you may call it whoever they may be, I love seeing that whole process come together. So um, one of the things that I really, that drew me to have um, see the Cuban on here was seeing him, he's very transparent. He's one of those producers that puts his, he loves to show himself putting, you know, creating the music in the process, in the lab as they call it, right? Putting the music together. And so with that, I'm like, man, I got to have him on here and I and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about his career. We'll talk about um, maybe some of his musical influences, obviously. And he really preaches uh, keeping alive that boom bap. I want to talk about really the state of hip hop, the state of boom bap in particular. Boom bap, which people know is that traditional up top New York slash you know, you want to call it New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, northeast, east coast, traditional sound. Just where we're at with that sound right now. And, and I want to get his takes 
um, on some of that as far as where we are as a genre and as far as this generation of that um, of that whole thing. And so I want to get that from him. And obviously, I also want to I also want to speak to him, find out what he's up to, what he's up to these days, what he's working on, who are some of the artists he's worked with. He's someone who I don't know well personally, but I'm really um, I'm really looking forward to and I'm excited for the opportunity to speak to him and get to know him and um, really talk about that. So without further ado, my guest is here, producer, boom bap hip hop enthusiast, hip hop producer. I'll let him tell it. His name is C the Cuban, AKA Cuba on the beat. And without further ado, my guest, C the Cuban. Yo, yo, what's good, yo, bro? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Good, Santos. How you doing, my brother? Um, StreamYard is a little tricky sometimes, but I'm glad that, that we got you on. It, it happens sometimes. Trust me. Oh, yo, bro, I don't give up. I just keep, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know how things are. You, Nothing is handed to you on a silver plate, man. You got to work for everything you do. You got to, you know. Everything, I mean. bro. Everything. Even an interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that's how it is, bro. You know? Yeah, yeah. No doubt. And and I was saying, basically what I was saying before you came on, um, I was talking a little bit about, I started talking about you, and I was just saying, because I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell the audience where you come from, what is your background. But um, I was just basically talking about how the, the way I found you was, you know, on social media that you actually were transparent about how you make your music, how you cook, right? It's like, right. you you mentioned to me offline, a lot of producers just like, here's the beat. You never see the creative process, right? So I guess before you talk about that, your creative process and all that, tell everybody about where you come from and about Cedar Cuban. All right, that's what's up. Um, I actually, I was born in Queens, so I'm from Queens, New York. And my upbringing was, um, I was surrounded by hip hop from a very, very early age. Like, I went to, you know, I went to grammar school with Coogee Rap. I don't know if you're familiar with Coogee Rap. Yo, come on, man. <laughs> All right. Well, Who I do you think I, I get? I get it. Like, like, I look, look, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, look, I'm not a little kid. I'm not old, old school. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm in between. I'm in that in between age. I'm 36. Okay. But like, come on. I know Coogee Rap inspired is like, I say Coogee Rap influenced the whole New York City movement in the early to mid nineties, that whole mafioso rap. Coogee rap was the one who influenced that. Go ahead. Now, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I went to school with G-Rap. Um, that whole area where I grew up in Queens, um, Herbie, Herbie Lovebug, which produced Salt and Pepper. He lived, yep. in the, he lived in the neighborhood, went to the same school I went to. Kwame, the genius. Um, I know you heard of Kwame too. He, yep. he went there as well. So I was just around there. Eric B was from the same neighborhood. Kid and play, salt and pepper, yeah, it just don't end. So I grew up in that environment. I always, I was always into hip hop, you know, I, even before them, because back in the days, my sister used to um, date a guy named Charlie, and he was from uh, the Bronx. This is my, this is before like '80s, '80s hip hop. I'm talking about back in the '70s, early, you know, like '75, '76. Well, he was dating my sister, and he he used to come to my house, and he used to bring these tapes. 
and they was like dudes rapping and i was like yo who is that you know what i mean and i was you know and then little by little i started he started telling me yo that's the cold crush brothers that's charlie chase that's grandmaster mm -hmm. cad and you know they were always doing routines on these tapes like these tapes were not records they were just you know they never became records they were just the way these guys expressed their 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 uh their hip hop style, the, you know, the way they rap, their harmonizing and all that. So they went to tape. They, they recorded everything they did live to cassette, you know, before people were actually pressing records, you know what I mean? So then I started hearing these tapes and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then, you know, I saw the transformation from people um, rapping the tapes to the point where people started putting out records and then, you know, radio shows started popping up on the scene and they were playing the music and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was like, I was so surrounded by it, man. I, I couldn't avoid, I mean, I'm so into it, you know, cause I know a lot of people were um, introduced to it as well, the same way I was, but it just, I just gravitated to it. You know what I mean? And I just wanted to get involved and I wanted to do, you know, I always, I was a fan first before anything, you know what I mean? I just supported it. I, it was just something I loved, you know? It's interesting you bring up, <clears throat> you brought up Charlie Chase, DJ Charlie Chase. And especially as a, as a Latino, you know, obviously, you being Cuban, um, myself being Puerto Rican, these are people. I feel like these are figureheads who we don't learn about always. You got to look for them, and I feel like they're um, they're overlooked. DJ yeah. Charlie Chase was so important for the foundation of hip hop in that era where he came from, and I'm glad you brought brought up Charlie. Charlie Chase is an absolute legend. I'm yeah, glad absolutely. you mentioned him. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy, and and so. So you had those influences. Obviously, you came from a neighborhood that you mentioned Coogee Rap. I mean, you mentioned, um, obviously, you mentioned um, <clears throat> Eric B. I mean, yeah. come on. Like, you mentioned all these different artists. So, like, I guess my question for you is, at what point did you decide, hey, you know, I could be a producer? Or did it? Or were you one of those people who were, did you DJ first? Were you an MC before? Talk to me about like what what was it at what point was it that you decided hey you know I think I want to get into hip hop as in some capacity. Well, when I went to school, we had a talent show, and um, I started writing a few rhymes here and there. And then they, they you know they decided that they were going to have a talent show <laughs> at school. So I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm gonna get down with this talent show. And then I started rapping in the talent show, and you know I had a I had a good you know I was received well. But I think the reason I was received well because the way I looked, I didn't look like I could spit, like I could rhyme, like I, like I just- It was different, the, yeah, you didn't have the look. Yeah, I didn't have the look for it. So when they saw me actually rapping, they was like, yo, like, you know, it surprised them that I was even rapping. That's the that's the perception I got, you know, like they, they actually, you know, supported me, they were clapping, so it, it was good. You know what I mean? I got a good, re a positive reaction from the crowd, but I think they looked at it more like that because they didn't expect it. Like they didn't yeah. expect that I was gonna, you know, do that. So yeah, that's that's pretty much how I started. I, you know, I did a talent show at school, and I kind of, you know, started rapping that way. Then I, I actually signed a record deal back in 1990. I was signed to a label called Next Plateau Records. Okay. Which is the label Salt and Pepper was on, Ultra Magnetic. Um, who else? Was, there's an artist called Civil. There was an artist back in the days called Antoinette was on there. Yes. Um, yep. No Antoinette. Yeah, she was on that label too. So I did a record, but it wasn't a hip hop record. 
it was actually a hip house record. So it was like more of a dance orientated record. I was rapping over it. It was the era. That was the era. Yeah. 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 So that's what I did. So I did a record. It was a hip house record. And then um, I kind of, we did one hip house record with the label and we didn't want to kind of continue with the hip house thing because it kind of seemed like it was a fad. I mean, it was getting popular at a point. But then it, it kind of switched back to hip hop, you know what I mean? And I kind of yeah. just wanted to do hip hop. And then at that point, we just, you know, we wanted to do hip hop, and they kind of wanted us to keep doing the dance stuff. And I was of like, course. Yeah. of course, of course, you know the label, yeah, label, the label yeah. wanted that. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I kind of don't want to do that. And then I just started um, messing around doing beats, and you know, I, I did that for a few years. And then, like I said, I grew up in the in the neighborhood, you know, of, of uh, you know, guys that I knew doing this hip hop stuff. And then one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I was do I was going to sessions. I, you know, uh, I, a good friend of mine, his name is the mighty VIC. He produced a lot of stuff. He, he, um, he was on um, Pun's first album. He did a joint called Boomerang on there. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. All right. So, you know, that record. Yeah. Mighty VIC did a, uh, this joint called uh, for Coogee Rap called My Life. Oh, I love that song. Love um, that. He made a video for that. So I love that video. Yeah. Um, I would. That was, I believe, on the Giancana story. Yeah, exactly. So my boy Vic, he's from Queens as well, and he's the one that did the hip house record with me as well. So we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were doing records. You know what I mean? But then it's crazy because around the early '90s, we hooked up with Juju and Cycle Less, and then my man Vic started doing production with them so he was like the unofficial third member of the beat nuts mm. and at that time i was i was i was just rhyming i wasn't really messing with any of the beats or anything like that i was just like going to all the sessions you know so i was at the early intoxicated demon sessions and then there was a few curious george sessions that we went through um as well because vic did a few joints for him he did that uptown the uptown hit and he did a walk like a duck for curious george so I was going to a lot of those sessions. I was working, I was like in the background, you know what I mean? Of, you know, absorbing all this stuff. And then I already had it in me, but I wasn't actually producing and, and um, making beats at that point. I was just absorbing everything like a sponge, you know, just being in, in, the, um, in the atmosphere and able to attend these guys' sessions. And, you know, they were recording for labels. So I was just absorbing all that at the time. I wasn't really a producer per se at that, at that time. That happened you know, years later, but you know, it, it was always in me, you know what I mean? And um, I guess it opened more and I got more involved when, you know, um, I mean, we were doing a lot of physical stuff too, because I worked with a, with an artist named Nutsel and I do a lot of stuff with him as well. So we were put, pressing a lot of records and doing a lot of vinyl. And then with this whole social media thing just exploded, you know, Instagram and before that Facebook, then I guess I got more, you know, it became, I think a lot of us got more involved with it because now you didn't have to get approval for a label to say, yo, this guy is nice. or I like his music. I'm going to sign him. Now you just put your stuff out yeah, and, and you put it and it's across the other side of the world in, in, in minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it, it's different. Yeah. You could sell. Yeah. That's, that's one of the best things about now is like, you don't even have to, you don't have to meet people. You don't have to resign. Like you're, everybody has become an independent contractor. Like, Absolutely. right? <clears throat> you can just go. You can sell to someone. You don't have to speak the language. You got Google Translate. Like, yeah. 
you got you could sell to a, and hip hop is global. Yeah, so, no excuse. Yeah, yeah. There's no excuse, man. You just got to put in the work. But you know, some people, even with all the, you know, we had a lot of challenges back in the days, and the guys even before me had even more challenges because they there was no internet. You know, it was a piece of vinyl. You pressed vinyl. Um, you shipped it out. You had to pay for the postage. You know, all that. You had to press the record. You know. It's a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of guys now skip all those steps and they just send out an MP3 and, and it is what it is, you know? It's crazy. That's the problem because I, I think you need to, like, when it comes to this thing called hip-hop, right? Right. Or with anything, you need to pay attention to detail and you need to it, every you need to tie up all the loose ends. And there, so there's no excuse for people want to cut corners. Right. And it's like... You can't cut corners in this thing. Like, you just can't. Like, it's not... It makes you look bad. And I'm glad that you brought that up, how there's guys nowadays, as you mentioned, that just will send the NPC, right? Yeah. They didn't even properly... The file was not even properly, you know... It, it's not... Mastered nothing. Mastered, yeah. yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. And then, then they want to say, oh, I'm a producer. Like, no, you're not. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're not man. a producer. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, now... You know, and then these people, these big companies take advantage of that because they make everybody feel like, yeah, you're a producer. We sell you this unit or we sell we sell, we sell you this uh, program and you can make your own beats and you could make your own, you know, you could rap and you could do this and you could send it right off, right off. The, you know what I mean? Like, right, it's, right. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, because but, then what happens is they'll sign a, they'll sign like a little, you know, they'll sign some sort of agreement with them, little uh, a deal with them. Right. And they're not realizing that they're getting crumbs of the cake <laughs> while the, the label, right, or the company, the, the company that has the right to it is getting the 96% or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, whatever they're getting and more, they're getting all the um, residuals exactly. from everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're not, eat, they're just happy with the check. They just take the little check they get because it's a steady check. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I so, guess some, they don't have the passion, you know, the drive. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, and and it's evident, obviously. So, getting back to you, so you got to this point where you're like, hey, um, you started, you know, wanting to to talk to me about how that started for you, as far as okay, I'm not gonna rap anymore, forget this, right? At some point, did you reach a point where you're like, all right, I'm not gonna rap, I'm putting the mic away? I used to rap too, by the way. That's okay. the funny. That's the funny. Yeah, I used to spit like I was a lyr lyricist, but. Okay. I found my calling afterwards. I, I didn't want to rap anymore. I became disillusioned with it, with right. it. But I still love it as a fan. No, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, of course. But like, at what point you said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. What I'm gonna do is, I think I want to be a producer. What point did that come? At what point did that come for you? Um, I want to say, I, me and a, a partner of mine, his name is Ron Mills. He works up at Sirius XM Radio. And me and him decided, um, we met one time on the train and he was telling me what equipment he should buy and should he buy this sampler? And I, you know, at that point I was buying samplers and drum machines and all that. So me and him kicked it and then we decided to open up a studio together. So we built the studio. I had a carpenter come over and built a vocal booth for us. We raised the floor. We, you know, we put the, all the, um, you know, the uh, foam up on the wall. We wanted to have that uh, that uh, good acoustic sounding room, so we did everything we had to do, and then we used to rent the studio, 
and actually make you know the music and then rent it at the same time. And we figured if we were renting the studio, we'd be and recording with artists, then we can show them our music. So me and him used to produce together. I used to, I used to produce with someone else. Now I do it alone. But I, me and me and my partner Ron Mills, we used to produce together, and we used to make the beats together. So at that point. The thing was, we we built our own studio, and being we had our own studio, we had a lot of talent coming in and out of our studio, and then you know we would show them our beats. So that was that was in '93, '94 that I did that. You know, we had our own studio. We, we did so about '92, '93. I got real serious with the production. I started, you know, getting into the production and 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 um, making beats, and you know, um, meeting with artists and, and you know, trying to get them to rhyme on our beats and that type of thing so like 93 94 we got serious with the with the production and we had the, the studio at the same time no that that's dope i mean and especially when you think about back then what it was right think about the equipment that was around back then as opposed to what's around now right. um who <laughs> it had to be pretty difficult just to to put together production um who was who were some of the when you were coming up and you're learning how to make, you're working on your craft, you're, you're learning how to become a producer. Um, who were some of the people you looked up to? Who were some of the producers that you listened to? You're like, hey, I can learn from that person. Or, who, well, you know, who were those? Well, going back to my man, um, the mighty B.I.C., which is the third member of the Beat Nuts, and Juju and Psycho Less, I was around those guys because they were in the studio recording. They were doing Pete Nice's album when Third Bass and... You know, when Third Base broke up, Juju, I mean, not Juju, Psycho Less and uh, B.I.C., the Mighty B.I.C., they were working on Pete Nice's album when he was with Richie Rich because, you know, Search and him broke up and they went their own ways. So then uh, Pete Nice got signed and he got production from the Beat Nuts, so, which was Psycho Less. And then uh, Vic was there. He was doing a lot of the production. So I, I, we, I would go to a lot of those sessions, like the Curious George sessions as well, and Vic was there, and Psycho Les was there, and Juju. So I was always around those guys, especially when they dropped their first album. So that, for me, was, you know, that was classic right there, because I was right there when they was dropping it, you know what I mean? They, they, that was their start. That's when Juju and them first came out with their first... Well, the first thing they came out with was uh, with the EP, which was the Intoxicated Demons EP. So when they did that, then you know I was going to a lot of those sessions. Same thing with Curious George when he dropped that relativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They would sign to relativity. Yeah, at that time, and then Curious George was signed to Columbia, and I was going to a lot of those sessions as well. So that that's when I was just like, oh wow. And also Power Rule. There was a few sessions with Power Rule and a few videos um, that he did back in the days as well. So Prince Power Rule, shout to him. So I was doing a lot. I was going to a lot of these sessions. You know what I mean? So that's where I kind of like picked up a lot of stuff and I said, okay, you know, you know, it start you start saying these yo, this is possible. I could do this. You know what I mean? Like you're around this every day and you see how it really goes down. And then you have a love for it, because you gotta love it. You know what I mean? Like if you're thinking about getting in this and making a quick check and then leaving and, and doing something else, yeah. It's not that it's not happening, man. You gotta put in work, man. I mean you gotta invest in equipment. I don't know how many samplers and drum machines and keyboards I came across over the years, and la you know, and then you know, at the at the end, it was it ended up becoming laptops and people making beats over laptops and all this. So I, I had to like really invest a lot of money and buy a lot of equipment. In my case, 
You know, everybody's different, but in my case, to really find my niche to see what I wanted to use. You know what I mean? And, and now everybody just, you know, for the most part, people buy a laptop and they'll just piece things together on the laptop and they'll record it and that's their beat. You know what I mean? And I and I work totally different. I don't, I don't even want to make a beat on a laptop. Only thing I'm doing on a laptop is if we... I'm done with the beat. We'll drop the beat to the laptop. Then we're recording vocals. That's easier to shift things around when you're doing vocals. Right, right. You know I mean, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't make any beats on a laptop. I mean, I came from the place where we used to have to record everything to a two-inch tape. There wasn't even yeah, a computer. Yeah. A computer yeah. is a big fat reel like that. Costs like two hundred dollars. Heavy as hell. You got to carry it under your arm. It's like yeah. It's a different story from now with a laptop. You take a little PC, you take a little piece, you put it together. And I'm not and I'm not knocking those dudes. Whatever works for them, hey, do what works for that, you. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you your thoughts about that. But go no, ahead. No. When you're done, go ahead. Share your thoughts on those who, who you mentioned who make beats on a laptop or, you know, oh, yeah, by bro, that way. Listen, you still get there. Man. You know, it's just a different way to get there. But, no, bro. This is what I love to use. This is just, I love this, you know. This, this MPC Live is like, yo, hands down. To me, this is this is what I want to use, you know what I mean? And and it's it's it's, a, it's like a computer because it has a it has a built-in screen, you know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's a big screen, and then you can slide things around and do everything a computer does. So it is like a computer, but physical, like physical pads to me, uh, you know. Different, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that's the way, yeah. And, and. I, I have a great appreciation for people who are able to create in general. But I mean, more so when you have something like how you're doing it with the MPC. Obviously, the, the MPC is more of a pure form where you have the drum pads, right? right? You have the drum pads. You're able to, to do that and, and create um, your beats that way. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So, my, so mentioning that, who were... I guess like who are some of the, who are some of your favorite producers? Like who are the ones who you said, okay, I gotta right, like I'm a fan of this guy, I'm a fan of that guy. Like who were some of your top producers? Oh, yeah. I mean, I gotta say Premier first. I mean Premier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like that guy is like I mean everything he touches, like it just it's always like like I don't know, I always gravitated to his music like instantly, like every everything he did, like for the most part, I just, you know, I was just like, damn, like, every, he got me every time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah, it would have to, it would have to be Premier. But before Premier, before Premier, I have to say, before there was no Premier, it, for me, it was Marley Mar. And yeah. now, it's yeah. Marley Mar. Premier, Makes sense, yep. Premier after, but Marley Mar first. Because Marley Mar was... Yo, he was doing stuff um, when sampling wasn't even a thing. You know, back in the days in those eighties and 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 um, I would say early eighties, those those jams that you heard, they were live bands playing and just right, rapping right, over it. Right, right. And, yeah, and the park jams. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And then and all they were DJing, spinning back break beats and going that way. But Marley Mall was the first one to actually take a sample. You know, take a drum loop or whatever and start looping it over and over and then adding stuff you know what i mean on top of that on top of those loops that he was using actually actual records but he was using like little samplers even before the sp1200 or mpc came out i think he had like something called the digitech it was like a rack mountable sample and it only samples for a few seconds so he didn't even have 
actual wow. actual pads. He was using like these um these rack mount samplers, like a digit. I think that's what it was called. It's called the Digitech, if I'm not mistaken. And that's what he was using. So he was such an innovator with, with what he had to work with. He didn't have much to work with. I mean, the records were funky that he was using. And um, he was using little pit, bits and pieces of, of um, samples and just recreating them. You know what I mean? And then I, and then when you add a dope MC to it, that's like the, that's like the missing element that's missing you know what I mean? From your beat. Like like a lot of people make beats and like, damn, it needs something else. It needs something else. I don't know what it is. Then once you add a vocal to it, it just takes a different, you know, takes, it, takes it, a different it, life. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's amazing what Molly Ma was. Yeah, Molly Ma, much props to Molly Ma. He really, he really got it going with the samples. You know what I mean? He, yeah, yeah that's me, crazy. The, yeah, he's the top one for me, man. Top, Molly Ma. Molly Ma. No, yeah. listen, it, yeah, you mentioned because it, there always has to be that pioneer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like you mentioned before, previously, it was about the jams. It was about the, the beat breaks, right? Right, yeah. That was what it was about. And and um, Marley Mark kind of took it to another level as far as incorporating different sounds stylistically, kind of setting the standard for what would come later, which then later on, what you had was... Um, basically, hip hop became sample heavy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For the most part, hip hop. Now you can't like. I don't. And again, I don't know. I haven't heard every single one of your beats, right? But most producers cannot put together a body of work without some sort of sample. Hip hop is probably alone in that regard, as far as this genre, right? That requires a sample. The producer needs a sample of some sort to be able to put together a record. Nah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, and it's harder now because now, you know, they get you quick. If you sample this and you sample that, they're on you. And especially if the record does well, they're going to get on you. You know what I mean? But yeah, you need that source. Like, you know, you need that source and um, to twist it around. But yo, there's so many records. Like, I'm going to give you an example. And you, I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not. I'm going to give you the um, Rick James record, right? Right. Go ahead. That, that MC Hammer used, Don't Touch This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Yo. that one. Yeah, yeah. That was the yeah. Yo, whether you like MC Hammer or you thought he was a whack rapper or whatever you think, yo, that brother took that Rick James record to the next level. Some people it took him to like, the moon. Yeah, it took him to the moon. Yeah, and Super Freak. Yeah, Super Freak took him to the moon. So, but listen, some people don't even know what Super Freak is. They're like, no, right. who's that? This is MC. That's MC Hammer. Hammer. They think it's MC Hammer, right? Exactly. So that what I'm saying is what what I want to say is that sometimes these guys can make a record even better than the original and take yes. it and yes. take and take it there. Like Eric B. Yeah. and Rakim when he did I, I know you got sold that James Brown record. That record is incredible to me. That yeah. I know you I know you got sold and yo, it sounds just like that. That's how the James Brown record goes. But he took it to the next level. Like I mean, if you're gonna kill a record that you know, if you're going to kill it in a way that you're going to take it to the next level, yo, mad props. Like, yo. Yeah. Well, real. here's a, I, I look at it this way, though. Let me let me see what you think about this. I look at it like this. If you're touching a James Brown record. Right. If you're touching a Rick James record. If you're touching, let's say, a, a Curtis Mayfield record. Right. right. Mm -hmm. You better do it justice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because if you don't do it justice, then it's just a footnote. No, it's absolutely. not. You know what I mean? It's nothing significant. 
and guys have done it. Look at OPP with the Michael Jackson. Oh that's yeah, Michael. yeah, yeah. Yo, they yeah, that's that. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackson Five, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the Jackson Five, because that was the the when they were a group. Yeah, exactly. So and well, Kanye all- West, Kanye. Yeah, how many was- times have they flipped that that sample? Kanye West flipped that for Jay Z. Yeah, exactly. H to the Izzo yeah. was Jackson Five. Five, yeah, yeah, but they right. killed it. They killed yeah. it though. Like you gotta, you know, they killed it, man. Like you gotta give those dudes due. Even though these, you know, there's a lot of like these lawyers and all that they come after you, but yo, always they they gave life. They they brought those records back, man. Like they really. They, there's those. a. I'm glad you brought that up. I was just about to ask you that. There's a do. It's almost like a double-edged sword, right? Because. It helps these artists. You see this all the time. Like there were artists that nobody was checking for their music. Yeah. The sample that resonates for today resonates with people. And then it's like, oh, what was yeah. the original record? Let yeah. me check for so and so. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, right? But that's how it is. You know what I mean? But it, it becomes uh, you know, now or you know, the sample stuff, you know, so the clearance and all this, you know, everybody got their hand in a pot. <laughs> right, right. There's you know, money involved. Oh yeah, that's it. That's money. People turn into vultures. You know. Let me, point. let me. <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny. It's true. Let Let me ask you a question. So who? I guess you as a as a producer. I'm trying to figure out what goes in the mindset, right? Because I'm not a producer, and I want to hear from you on this. When you're looking for a beat, when you're looking for a sample, um, I guess first, who's your favorite artist? If you have any. If you have one, who's your favorite artist to to look back in, in their archives and say, I love this for a sample? And two, how do you go about choosing a sample? Okay. I well I got a few people that I look back into, like and I and like um I mean shit. I, Pete like Pete Rock and, and Seal Smooth, that they reminisce record was like incredible for me. Like, you know what I mean? I mean yeah. I I think a lot of people feel that way about that record it was just yes yes the, the emotion behind it the sample they use it's the, a vibe it's a vibe man yeah that whole vibe yeah that that was incredible to me like that record um i, I was always a big fan of bismarck um and you know why i loved bismarck so much not only did i like his music and marley Mar was behind bismarck all of bismarck's earlier records but what i liked about bismarck was that he Yo, bro, there was no rules as that guy. Like he did it the way he wanted to do it, and he didn't. There was no. He didn't follow no blueprint. Sounded like himself, and he was just like people say he was like the clown of hip hop or whatever you want to call it. I think that dude was yo <coughs> in the class by himself. You know what I mean? Like there was a uniqueness with Bismarck. Yeah. He, that that's what, and that's I feel like hip hop has lost that essence. Yeah. With the with the corporation now, right? The machine. I feel like they're trying to find the next thing that sounds like the last thing, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Whereas before it was like you have Bismarcky. Bismarcky's different. You have Rakim. Rakim is unique. Uh, yeah. Big Daddy Kane was unique. These guys were all different. Yeah. KRS, classed by himself. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, they were all different. They were all different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So and the and the other side, the question you're saying is, let me just put yeah. this. It looks like it's drizzling over here now. <laughs> uh oh, we don't. Well, we can't mess that machine up. Yeah, I got another one too. I use this one because this one is portable too. So sometimes I, I come out on the balcony and I just, yeah, especially with this whole pandemic thing, the last two years, and you know, we were people weren't working. People, you know, you know how it was. I was out here and I was just like in my own world, like you know, 
I mean, it affected everybody, but I felt like I found a certain, I don't know, I, I think I really found my niche during the last two years, and it's kind of messed up because a lot of crazy stuff happened this year, you know what I mean? Like, of course, yeah. Passing yeah. away, and, and it's crazy. Sometimes I feel bad even saying that I found my niche, but I, there was something that happened in these, these last two years that it really, I don't know, I found myself musically. You know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. You found inspir- you were able to find inspiration at a time where things were became chaotic in the world. Right. You were able to find your space to kind of. Absolutely. And I don't know how, because a lot of people that I spoke to were like, man, I haven't been able to make a beat. I, I have no inspiration. And, I, and, you know, and I used to talk to them. I was like, yo, we got to inspire each other because I'd go on and I. If I don't have inspiration, sometimes I'll start listening to some stuff from the 80s or 90s. And, you know, you just kind of, you know, you know how music is, man. Like you could feel a little down and you start listening to some music and all of a sudden you feel a little like, you know, it like uh, it brings you up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It definitely music does. It could be Spanish, salsa, Hector Lavoe, whatever it is. You know what I mean? And you just you get into it. So music is it has a way of um, bringing you up. You know what I mean? So I. I, even if I didn't feel like making a track, I always pushed myself to listen to music and then and try to get inspiration and then boom, then then try to create. You know what I mean? Sample stuff, even if I wasn't gonna use it. But let me let me play with something that's very popular, just just to to get the feel of of you know how it was created and and, and kind of try to place myself there. You know what I mean? For that inspiration. Yeah. So I, you know I I try to do those things to get me going. You know. Yeah, no, listen, I I totally respect that. And, and look, everybody's different, too. Like, everybody's brain works different. You know, the pandemic was really rough for a lot of people, right? And I, I think some, it could either make you or break you, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I mean it in a disrespectful sense. I just mean that we all deal with things different. Some people, they, they may need some downtime to kind of, they don't have inspiration. Other right. people may find inspiration, you may have been able to find yourself in that time where you're like, you found some inspiration in that time, in that solitude, right? Right. And exactly. and so that that's a great thing that you were able to find that. Yeah. No, I was trying. To, I was trying to. I think also I was trying to block out what was try, what was happening. What you know what was going on. You know, it it, it was crazy. So you kind of you try to block your mind and keep yourself busy. You know, and I think that's what I was kind of doing at the same time like trying to like a little scapegoat from what reality was because yo bro i wasn't watching it got to the point that i I was never big on watching news anyway but once they were all they would post is a number of cases oh my god that was horrible yeah i couldn't watch it yeah i said yeah i couldn't even watch that either i was like it was depressing you couldn't watch it yeah yeah and it's not to listen i never I mean, I, I don't agree with everything that's going on, but I never said this wasn't real, that you can't get No, it's sick. not to downplay, right? It's not to yeah, downplay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you could get sick. I mean, I got re- I got really sick, so I, 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 I can vouch for it. It's it's real. It's real. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky to be here having this interview with a good brother like you, my brother Santos, because, yo, I, I, I went I pre- through it. I went, I went through it, my brother. Ooh, I went oh, so you had gotten, so you went, you had gotten, um, you had gotten COVID. Yeah, bro, I was in the hospital, everything, bro. I got it. Sorry to hear that, but I'm glad that you're here. Oh, you man. got through it. I don't, yeah, man, God bless, man. Because at the same time, um, I work with an artist named Nutso. 
and he K Slate does this thing called 200 bars. He God bless the dead. Yeah, God bless. I had to say, I had to say, because K Slate, God bless. Yeah, he died recently, and um. Yep. Yeah, man, K Slate was a good brother, and he was, he was essential, man, because they, nobody like him. He would take dudes that wasn't signed, dudes that didn't have no co-sign or, or were really big in the game, and he give them a platform. Mm -hmm. And they, mm -hmm. they know they're not too many dudes like that. Like you, I can see you do that, which is a beautiful thing. Because not too many people do that. They just follow what's popular, and they don't, like DJ, they don't even break records anymore, bro. They nah, just, no. Yeah, they just follow whatever is hot at the moment or whatever got views or whatever. They don't really sit down and say, yo, this guy might not have 100,000 views, but he got some shit. Like, he's decent, or, you know, I like his stuff. And not too many people are doing that anymore. And K-Slave was one that was at a certain level. He had a show on Hot 97. Street Sweeper, Drama King. He had the show at uh, Sirius. Yeah, you know, he, he would invite people up to do stuff. So um, my man Nutso, which I work with, an artist from Queens, he was, um, K-Slate called them and called me uh, maybe like, I want to say in April or May of this past year to connect with Nutso because he wanted to get him on the new 200 bars videos he was doing. So, you know, I got on the phone. We were talking, yo, Nutso's going to meet you here. We're going to get it done. So, you know, we got it done. Unfortunately, he got sick around the same time I did, November, oh. December, December. So when I was in the hospital, I had no idea that he was sick. When I got out the hospital and I was home recovering, then I heard he was sick. And then then I heard he was in there for like a few months. So I was wow. like, oh, wow. And then next man. thing I know, he passed. I was like, wow. Rest in peace, oh. he played for sure. Yeah, man, that was that was a hard one because he wasn't your regular man. He was he was out there to help people. He was a he was from the he was cut from that cloth. He was like he was, he was from he was hip hop. Like he believed yeah. in talent. He believed in the in the the hood representing from yeah. the hood and bringing the talent. He wasn't about the politics the the industry politics. No, no, at no, all. He, he definitely and then he repped graffiti because that's where he came from. He's from the graffiti right. age, yeah. You know, so he was a graffiti artist before anything. He was in Style Wars that classic movie that came back out in the 80s that everybody knows about like i mean that guy was yeah but it's like you said to going back to what you said he he was cut from a different cloth because that's where he came from before internet before anything he he was about a dude that would see a talent hear a talent come here i got a platform i want you on this like that 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 doesn't happen anymore it does happen but very few guys are doing it. you know what i mean the very very I, my hope no, 100%. My hope is that, you know, his legacy, we can continue to to, to bring, you know, kind of up, lift each other and kind of bring that legacy, continue to, to live by that legacy and kind of just carry it out and do the same thing. Kind of like other people have to carry that load now because there are very few like that who come from that foundation. We have to carry on that tradition of, hey, you know, we're all from the, you know, we're all from different hoods, but we're from the same, from the same sort of story, right? From the inner city, from the, the neighborhoods of the city, we have to lift each other up and kind of pass that on and, 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 you know what I mean? And give other people a shot, give people a shot that who deserves to be heard and seen. No, and absolutely. That's why the game is like, sometimes it's a little kind of lopsided for that reason, because 
th there's not a lot of that going on, you know what I mean? Like, people are not really, you know, and I'm not saying for people to hold your hand. I'm not saying if you're putting in the work, then, you know, it should be recognized. Like, somebody should really step up and be like, yo, my brother is really putting in this work. And, you know, I want to give him a, if I could give him a platform or a beat, or I can spin him on my radio show, I can give him <coughs> on, on my podcast, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm going to do that, you know what I'm saying? So, I think, but that's what's missing, I think. That's what really, like, people are following too many trends and following, you know, too many, you know, other things. It's just not the same. I guess, you know, we're, we come from that, you know what I mean? We come from that, that, um, that, that hood, you know, that, that hip hop style and hood that that's how it was you know what i mean people people really um dug for music and 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 wanted to see what was the next hot thing and they didn't follow what what uh mainstream was doing you know what I mean? yeah because, yeah it was always about hip-hop came up as a counterculture right. hip-hop now is on a mainstream level obviously you have you know you have people who are making good music obviously a producer such as yourself you mentioned not so Several are, I mean, we can name a bunch of them, but I'm saying on a mainstream level, hip-hop became corporate. The corporation got its hands on it. And in essence, it became a cookie cutter. It's not counterculture anymore. Hip-hop, I tell people all the time, hip-hop now on a mainstream level is pop. It, it is the popular genre. Nah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I thought I was going to get a lot of, like, with, with the stuff I do, like, I, I'm more on the boom bap side of things. And I could do the trap and I could do, like, different type, but I don't know. I just gravitate more towards that type of music. And I love when I get comments from guys in the industry, like, yeah, like, yo, keep that shit going. That's what I love. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know, and I like that, you know, that, that that's good to see that, you know, people are still wanting to hear it. And, you know, it's in them, you know what I mean? It's something you can't erase. You know, like yeah. that type of, like that boom back. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not. You not mentioned, saying. I'm yeah. sorry. But. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So you mentioned boom back because that's another reason, obviously, that's the big reason why you're here. Because obviously I, I come from that school. That's all, that to me is hip hop in its purest form. And so I'm always going to gravitate towards the boom back. That's just what it is. So obviously that's why I have you here because you are a producer and you are a per a producer of and a I will call you a flag bearer of boom bap, right? The pure hip hop form. Oh yeah, for sure. What do you think has happened to boom bap? What what has went wrong on a mainstream level to boom bap, and can it be saved? Um, I think yeah, no, I, I, it could definitely be saved. I mean, because you know, guys like us. You know, in our age and our culture, like we, we, we still, you hear it and you're like, damn, like, you, you know, you still gravitate to it. You hear something and you're like, oh my God, you gravitate. And then also the oversaturated of the other side of the music, which is like, like the trap and stuff. Like a lot of people were like, and I, yo, listen, I've heard some really good trap records. I'm, I can't knock them off. Yeah, 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 of course. Of I've course. heard some real good ones, but then there's a few of them that I heard, like, you know, the, I don't know, they, like, People go crazy with them, but they just, I don't know, I can't understand what the guy's saying, you know what I mean? But then he's talking to a different audience, you know what I mean? So maybe That's right, that's right. That That's the part that we lose sight of sometimes, and I agree with you, but he's, he is talking to a different audience, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, th and then people say, oh, you know, but I never got into this conversation with 
um, anybody that's younger or any trap artists because I, I would never like come out and straight up and say, oh, I don't like this or I don't like this, you know, because I do like some of it. I'm not going to tell you I don't like it all. There's some that I don't like, but, you know, I'm not, it's not my opinion that counts for me to tell them, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Same way they shouldn't be telling me I'm too old to be doing this. You know what I mean? Like, right, oh, right. you're no guy, you're an older guy. You, you're from the eighties and the nineties. You're, 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 your culture is over with. Like, and I don't, I don't look at it like that, bro. At all. If you could see legends like Gene Simmons from Kiss and um, this guy from the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, right. still, still touring in their seventies, bro. You're That's not, right. You're, yeah. not tell, you're not telling me nothing. You're not, <laughs> right, not tell, right. You're not telling me nothing. For real, yeah. for real. You're not telling me nothing. So That's I'm a good point. Sure. That's a good point. Cause you know what? Yeah, I think hip hop does have a stereotype. They do stereotype hip hop as a genre. That it's a young man's game, but and and I I kind of hate that stigma, and I want that stigma to continue to be taken down because it's not fair. Because I feel like we put down a lot of our legends, right? To say, oh, you're too old to be rapping. KRS is too old to be rapping. Or who's this guy to be rapping? Oh, is he gonna? How long is he gonna be rapping? No, like yeah. none of that. Like you don't gotta be a 20 year old to be rapping. Like if you if you do it well, there's two things. You either make good music or your music is trash. That's it. Doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with what you're saying. It doesn't matter if it's good stuff, then it's good stuff. It doesn't matter that it, there's no age in it. So why, you know, but a lot of these guys tend to put age in it. They, they take it. They all oh, know that, you know, you're too old to do this or whatever. I mean, honestly, I haven't gotten that because I don't bring that energy to people. Like if right, you're happy, right. Yeah, if you're happy doing what what you like to do, then I'm never going to knock you. Same way that I don't get, you know, they don't give me that energy because I never give off that energy. You know what I mean? So I guess I guess it's just different when it comes to everybody. Everybody, you know, different and everybody has their own thing. So, you know, I don't I don't try to crush anybody's dreams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, you shouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um. So one of the questions I have for you also now, you on a... I guess now on on the personal tip, right? Since you are you're from New York, right? So you said you so you you're from New York. You grew up in Queens, right? Right. You are of Cuban descent, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you end up in Queens? Okay. Well, my parents left Cuba in 1966, and they came. It was my I, I got a sister, so my sister at the time was one years old, and they didn't want my parents didn't agree with what was going out in Cuba at the time, you know, and they just decided that they wanted to leave and they wanted to come to New York and they came first they came to Jersey because my aunt my mother's aunt lived in Jersey and she was like yo come to Jersey we out here we, you know they, they had come like two years ahead of time so she was like yeah come out here you know we're gonna get it together and then they came out here maybe for a few months and then my dad decided yeah you know he got a job and then he ended up in New York next thing you know we're in Queens in Astoria Queens and then we ended up in Jackson Heights, Queens, which is like um, near LaGuardia Airport. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Area. Yeah, so then my, it was really my uh, my parents. So they, they originally came from Cuba. I was born in um, like two years later here in Queens. So I'm, you know, my both of my parents are Cuban, but I was born in Queens in New York. You know what I'm saying? So nice. I, I, yeah, my sister was the only one that was born in Cuba. But, you know, they, they came and I was born here. Nice. 
Nice. No, I mean it's a rarity because I I and I had a I had the opportunity to speak with. Um, I think I told you offline. I spoke with obviously you know I spoke to I spoke with Cuban Link in the past. I also spoke to Don Dinero. Don Dinero was telling me about the Cuban New York experience. And okay. I found it very interesting because it, there's a lot of history there that people don't know that's untold. The Cuban New York experience, a lot of it though actually started in Washington Heights. So it was right. very right. So it was very I, I didn't know if I didn't know, you know, before our discussion, I didn't know if you were from there. That's why I, you mentioned you were from Queens. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I definitely came we my parents came straight to New Jersey and from Jersey a few months later they went into Queens. And then, yeah, we, we, we just stayed in Queens. But a lot of them end up in Florida. I thought I was going to end up in Florida. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. A lot of the Cubans, is in, they go straight from my um, Cuba to Florida. That's 90 miles. <laughs> so, right, that, right. That's where they went. But, um, no, nah, yeah, we ended up in Queens. So, yeah, that, that's uh, – but it was good, man. I had a good uprising, you know, with my parents, great parents. You know, my, pa- my dad passed away a few years ago. God bless. And, um, Sorry to hear that. God bless, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, man. But yeah, man, it's it's, uh, it's been good, man. It's been a good ride. I'm I, if I, I wouldn't change anything, man. I'm glad I landed where I landed. I'm glad I was born when I was born, cause I mean, the this golden era of hip hop and to experience that, man. That you know, that's something that's once in a lifetime. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You came up right in the in the heart of it, right in the perfect. middle of all of it. Yeah, it's perfect, man. I love it. Yeah, that that that's something that. I never, I don't regret, you know what I mean? That's a beautiful thing. Honestly. Definitely. So bef- before we wrap up, I just want to get, let me know, tell people where they can find you and also let, let everybody know what you're working on now. What's next for you? What's next for See the Cuban? Okay. Um, you can find me at, at See the Cuban and that is on IG. So it's C-E-E-D-A-C-U-B-A-N at Instagram. I'm on TikTok, same thing, at See the Cuban. I'm on Facebook, same thing, at See the Cuban. Um, and I'm working on a project now. It's actually going to be released in June. It's with an artist, uh, a legend from Spain. His name is El Mesui. And Nutso and him did a Spanglish album, which features Thurston Howell, uh, Black Poet, Comet, uh, Rob P. Um, what's, uh, as far as artists concerned, that's it. I did uh, like five tracks on there, and Mitsui did a few tracks. Nutso did a few tracks. Um, we got Killer Jameson, Jameson Killer. He's the one that mixed and mastered it. That that record is that album is coming out in June, so it's a Spanglish album. We got a few tours going on now in Mexico and in um, Argentina, so we got a few things going on. That's gonna that's gonna come out in June. It's called La Vioso Mente. So we're mixing in uh, English and Spanish on there. So we get we hit nice. Yeah, we're hitting them from both angles. So that that should be out in June. If you want to uh, get that, the link is on my uh, See the Cuban Instagram page. So I'm working on that, and I got like various. Probably got a, a project with my man Nutso. We working on a few tracks. Um, just various projects that we're working on. I got uh, another artist that I work with. His name is Witchcraft. We did a joint called Cuban Sandwich. That's out now. You can nice, follow, nice. Yeah, you can follow that on at Witchcraft, W-H-I-C-H, Craft at Instagram. And yeah, man, just working. There's so many so many artists I'm working with now. It's just like crazy, man. But it's good. I met so many people online, you know, 
we gravitated on there. So IG is a, is a good platform, you know what I mean? Great. Nah, it's a wonderful thing. Nah, yeah, definitely. People, you know, you could get like quick exposure on there. It's amazing, man. But yeah, that's it. We just rocking out, man. I appreciate you having me, Santos. I love what you're doing. I, I always catch up. Your sh I catch up on your shows on YouTube. You definitely interview. You, you got some good questions, bro. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you, yo, you do your homework, bro. And I like that. You do your homework, bro. Now nah, listen. I right, go ahead. No, 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 good. Yeah, you, you do your homework, man. I mentioned a name. You like, bang, like you, you know that that makes a good conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, I have to do my homework. There's so many, man, look. Not to throw shade on people. No, no. There's a lot of whack shows. You got to start confiscating ah, some yeah. mics. So yeah, I just right. say yeah, a good right. guest like, listen, a guest like you makes the show. So I'm I'm happy to thank have you. you. It's, it's I'm, mutual. I'm yo, thank you. Yo, we could... We got stories, bro. We yeah, 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 definitely. We'll we'll catch up again. I I really will we'll keep in touch. Um, not yet. Sure. We we could go forever. So not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know me and you could talk. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. All man, right, brother. no, thank you so much. Thank you for being thank on, you, bro. Stay dry. Um, because I think it's raining. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this table's kind of wet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Oh, there you go. There you go. I don't know if you see it, but I can see it. Yeah, for sure. It's wet out. Here. It's getting wet out here. But now I'm good. I'm under a detcho right now, but the water's like, I guess, just spraying around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. All right, man. See the Cuban. Check him out. Santo. Thank you so much. All right, my brother. Be safe. Peace, you man. Peace. So that was see the Cuban, man. That was awesome, man. We we could have went in so many different directions. Um. I'm definitely going to keep in touch with him. I want you guys all to follow him on social media. We, we'll have all the um, the links will be in the description and, of course, on the episode. Uh, and that was episode number 44. Um, everybody follow him on social media. Check him out. He's got some good music coming out as well. Support that real hip-hop. Support is very important. Support that real hip-hop. It's important that we we preserve it as a culture, as a music, as an art form. Super important. So I want to thank him. Thank my guest, C. The Cuban, of course. Queens representing. Um, of course, also make sure to follow me. Instagram, Santos Thread Shop. TikTok, Santos Thread Shop. Of course, the YouTube channel, The Santos Says Podcast. And of course, as always, don't just say what you mean or mean what you say. Say it with your chest. Peace.